We are pausing our I Am series and we're going to talk about another pink elephant. That's right, another pink elephant is on campus. Last year, uh, you may remember, we talked about the elephant in the room, the, the elephant of alcohol, and David talked about that and did a, a wonderful job. And tonight we need to talk about the elephant in the room once again. And we need to address something that's pretty significant to all of us, the elephant of technology. Yes, the elephant of technology, specifically how we interact with our mobile devices. Now, let me say from the very onset of all this that I am not anti-technology. Uh, I am not anti-phone. I am not anti-social media. I have social media. I, I love my use of technology. Um, but what I do want to bring attention to is how our technology is basically working back on us. Now, if you go and search online uh, for news articles, um, news segment studies, you'll find that we're not short on material uh, talking about how the negative impacts of technology are impacting us on a regular basis. There have been people who have literally died because of how they were trying to take some sort of epic selfie off of some sort of canyon cliff or whatever. It's ridiculous. Uh, people are getting into more traffic accidents as a result of looking at their phones um, and people are just generally more angry and more anxious than they have been before. And our use of technology is a growing problem and it's not likely to slow down at any time soon. So uh, as we talk about this, I want to start by sharing a couple stories with you. Um, a couple weeks ago, I downloaded the popular app TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> now I downloaded it because it was pretty reminiscent of a former app that I used to like a lot, Vine. Um, yeah, everybody likes everybody like Vine. And you know, it's it's all about the funny kind of crazy stuff, the stupid stuff that you find on there. And I downloaded TikTok because of a uh, TikTok that had come up on my uh, Twitter timeline, and I thought, hey, there's probably more great stuff on there as well. And there certainly was. I watched a whole lot of people doing the the get up dance. Do you know what you guys know what that is? Um, I watched people do the the na na dance with the with the feet. You know where they dance with somebody. You guys know what that is too? No? All right. Maybe it's just me. I watch the dog journals. If you don't know what the dog journals are and you have TikTok, um, go, and, go and find the dog journals. Those are, are the best. Um, I even sent you guys a TikTok that I made of Micah on the Kyle Group meme. And it was shortly thereafter uh, sending that and continuing to use TikTok that I came to the realization that I was spending unnecessary amounts of time just watching TikTok videos. Um, so many people doing that, that get up dance thing is you know, ridiculous. And it got to the point where I was ignoring my family when I was at home. And Michael let me know that I was ignoring him um, based on uh, the noises that he would make at me uh, when I wasn't looking at him and he wanted to be held. And it was then that I decided I need to delete this app. So deleted TikTok. Second story. Some of you may remember that uh, we have been looking for a van for our family for uh, quite some time. And 
Uh, I'm happy to report that we finally found a van, so that's that's great. Yeah. However, leading up to that purchase of, of that van, uh, we had scoured Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist, and it got to the points that when I came home from work, I would just look through Facebook Marketplace basically until I went to bed, and you know just to see what people were selling and. As a consequence of that, I, I checked Facebook a lot more than I wanted to or even cared to look at. And it got to the point where I was anxiously looking at Marketplace and thinking, am I going to miss a good find? Uh, should I be widening my search radius? Someone just posted something awesome online. I should probably check every two hours to make sure it's still going to be there. And it was in those moments that I was building up my my anxious thoughts and lessening my faith and trust in God. After we found the van, I deleted Facebook off of my phone. Um, I decided that I did not need to have 24-hour access to something that was giving me anxiety any, any longer. Now, I still use Facebook. Um, I use Facebook to uh, communicate with my support team, um, but I only have access to it through my laptop now. So maybe you guys can relate to my stories in, in some degree. Um, you've been both the perpetrator and the victim of wasting time with technology, incriminating yourself when you click yes when you're answering the question, are you still watching? Um, you've you felt your heart begin to race when you've posted something meaningful to you and maybe a little bit vulnerable and look to see if you are validated by how many likes you get. I've known students and people in my life that have actually deleted stuff that they have posted online because they did not get enough comments or likes. True story. So as we talk about this tonight, I want to give three cautions, concerns, warnings um, regarding our use of technology and two ways that we can kind of combat the technology blitzkrieg on our lives. While the Bible as the Word of God is not necessarily overt in directing us how to respond to technology, um, it does give us principles and wisdom that we can apply to the subject. And we also have access, of course, to Jesus, the living Word, and He can help us discern how best to use technology as well. So the first point we want to make um, is technology distracts us from what really matters. Technology distracts us from what matters. This is no shocker, of course. Um, technology serves as a distracting agent when we could be thinking about looking at something else. Uh, why do homework that's due tomorrow when we can play Smash Brothers tonight? Why write a paper when Netflix released a new season of Stranger Things? Why check in with the friends we know might need an encouragement when instead we can listen to Spotify? Yeah. For most of us, our phones basically bookend our days. We are awakened by our alarms and we set our alarms before we go to bed. Does anybody use something different than their cell phone to wake up? Do you really? I do. What do you use? My Amazon Echo. <laughs> Amazon Echo. Wonderful. Great. Okay. Now, the problem with using our phones as our alarms is it's so easy to wake up, shut the alarm off, and then see the notifications that you missed overnight. You get sucked into the wormhole of, 
did I get any new emails? Uh, you check Facebook, you check Instagram, you check Snapchat, you check your texts, you check Instagram again, all before getting up out of bed. Now, I'm, I'm a morning person, okay? Um, more so now that Micah gets up between 5.30 and 6. Um, we're hoping that that eventually moves further into the day. Um, but I, if, if I'm not aware of this, I, I can miss my, my moments with Jesus in the morning. Um, I can miss those crucial moments of spending Jesus to start my day because I'm busy looking to what people have, have posted online. And I've gone through a conditioning of my soul that is being shaped by what people are posting rather than spending time on what Jesus has to say to me in those moments. Now, the Bible also has something to say about uh, distraction. And in Luke 10, 38 through 42, we're going to read that Jesus goes to Capernaum where he's invited to the home of Martha. And, of course, it's up here on the screen, but I'll read from my Bible here. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, Martha is, is put together. She has a home. Uh, she's hospitable. She's reputable. Uh, she also has a sister named Mary. We don't know if Mary lives with Martha, but we know Mary is there because uh, it's noted that she's the one that's sitting down at the feet of Jesus to listen to his teaching. Martha, however, is distracted by her many tasks. Um, they could be very good tasks. They could be tasks of uh, serving Jesus, serving any guests that come by, um, you know, serving them tea or, or food or whatever. Um, but these things are ultimately keeping her away from Jesus. That we can, be, we can be people that can be so busy doing things for Jesus that we miss Jesus himself. Now, if we were to tell this, this story today, it would look something a, a little like this. Yeah, so this is the picture of Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha. And you can't see it right here, but uh, Martha has a phone, and she's showing Jesus a cat video. She's distracted. She's distracted, yeah. So um, pretty cool, pretty cool picture, I think. But how many times has that been you? You've had your heart set on doing something good and wonderful. You've had your heart set on meeting Jesus, and you got sucked down the YouTube. It's, it's, so, people, it's, it's so easy to watch people do ridiculous stuff. It's easy to get distracted. Maybe it's not YouTube. Maybe it's Facebook. Um, you get excited when the red dot and the number appear at the top of, of your page or your screen. You know, someone's finally noticed you or people are paying attention to you. Um, you get pulled away and you're, you've entered into the web of distraction. 
And even as I'm mentioning some of these things tonight, uh, you're, you're wanting to check your phone, especially since there's a ball game tonight. Go Heels, right? Um, however, the mark of a disciple, the mark of a follower of Jesus is to give sustained attention to the right things that matter. And this is true of good theology, okay? We have to sit with good theology because good theology should force us to sit with a complex argument over a period of time. We don't arrive at it right away. Paul said something similar when he wrote the Romans, his letter. He says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. (coughs) Secondly, technology hinders our contentments. Technology hinders our contentments. When we subject ourselves to what others are posting online, we are tempted to become ensnared by comparison. Have you ever seen your friends post something on their social media and immediately gotten jealous? Um, You could be at a really fun party, like a really awesome party, and then you check your phone when you go to the bathroom or something, and you see that your friends are doing something incredibly, it looks like it's incredibly better. Um, it looks like they're having a lot more fun than, than you're having, even though you're at a really fun party. Matt Chandler, a pastor in Texas, he puts it this way when it comes to um, looking at our phones and, and being discontent. He says, you crawl into bed and you grab your phone. You start scrolling through your Instagram account, and here's what you find. Everybody's marriage is awesome. Their kids are incredible. They're counting money, and they don't struggle at all. There's no pain, there's no, there's no sorrow, and here you are in your trial. You ate a whole gallon of ice cream watching a series on Netflix. You start to resent them. You start to grow in anger against them. Really? Me, Lord? I'm enduring this trial. What about them? And in your trial, your insidious, wicked heart will be exposed, and comparison is how it, it plays itself out. It's pretty deep. of the time, um, we see people's highlights uh, that they post online. We don't see people's bedheads. We don't see uh, people flossing or, you know, doing ridiculous things. We see uh, perfectly cropped photos. We see people who are put together. We see people with their makeup on. Uh, We see people that have, you know, done epic things, uh, you know, sitting in a chair and just doing nothing is not necessarily epic and so we don't post stuff like that. You'll see how much more attractive people are by the filter that they put on or the camera angle that they use. Um, And you're like, I just want to have enough money to get a haircut. Or you see the vacations to other parts of the world they're taking and you're you're putting in applications to Bojangles so you can afford books next semester. Or uh, you see the ring that your uh, best friend got and they've gotten engaged and you're wondering, am I ever going to get a date? Okay? I know what all this is like because I've been there. Okay? I've, I've been in, in that position where I've seen these things and I've, I've, I've experienced it firsthand and it's, it sucks. Okay? Just say it. Um, if technology makes us discontents, we experience it the most through FOMO. All right? 
FOMO can cause us to have a lot of fears, but perhaps the biggest fear that we have on missing out is being personally affirmed. And so we refresh our feeds and we refresh again. And our fear of being personally affirmed is so cranked up when we are already feeling very lonely or going through some kind of suffering. And we make a post or we, or we share something. And again, we're only sharing the highlights, okay? So while the picture may tell one story that we post online, our lives are saying a different story. And when we feel validated from getting likes and positive responses from our social media posts, it's basically like applying a bandage on a wound that needs stitches. You, you may slow down the bleeding, but you won't necessarily stop it. Paul says this in Philippians 4.12. He says, I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. The CSB translation says, I have learned the secret of being content. We need to remind ourselves that we have access to Jesus, that we follow Jesus and that we worship Jesus and that he ultimately satisfies our souls. He can make us content in our lives if we will allow him to do so. Um, We can have millions and millions of followers on our social media or our YouTube channel and become celebrities and still be discontent and still be empty and still be a shell of ourselves. Thirdly, technology can make our lives into public spectacles. Technology can make our lives into public spectacles. It's a pretty cool picture of the Last Supper there with everybody's phones and computers and headphones out. There's a really cool artist, his name is uh, Kim Dong-Kyu, I believe, and if you just uh, when you go back to your room, Google that, Kim dong art, and search. He has a lot of cool art that you can look at. So three years ago, um, former internet celebrity and Australian model, Asina O'Neill, who had over 500,000 Instagram followers and was set on basically making a career online uh, from endorsement deals, decided to quit her social media, deleted most of her pictures, and revised most of her descriptions to unmask the true motives behind those images. Most of them were uh, uh, products that she was encouraged to sponsor. And this is what she says. She says, over-sexualization, perfect food photos, perfect travel vlogs, it is textbook how I got famous. Everyone goes through life differently. Myself growing up with social media comparing so easily available, it consumed me. I spent ages 12 through 16 wishing I was someone else. Then I spent ages 16 to 19 constantly molding myself, editing and self-promoting the best parts of my life, which turned into a massive career based on numbers and how I looked aesthetically. And today she says, I simply no longer want to compare my life with anyone else's edited highlights. I want to put all those hours I looked into a screen into real life goals, personal relationships and aspirations. I'm over this celebrity culture and obsession. It's silly and for the most part, internally lonely and fake. Can anybody relate to that? Last week there was news coverage of a grandmother dying at a gender reveal 
party that was recorded online. Instead of the, the colored powder that people use, uh, they used gunpowder and, and metal tubing and essentially made a, a pipe bomb. Now, you can, you can cite the ignorance of, of these people who put this together, um, but when you are more focused on getting the right camera shot and the right angle and you're thinking about all the likes and all the hearts and all the stuff that you're going to get when you post it online, you're not necessarily thinking clearly to begin with. Uh, we've gone from a culture that uh, something as simple as saying, hey, guess what, we're having a boy or we're having a girl uh, is no longer impressive. You're no longer living for an, an audience of one. And the miracle of carrying life inside of you is no longer impressive. We have to do it bigger and better. That's what social media can do to you. In Matthew 23, um, verses 5 through 7, Jesus says this. He says, he's talking about the, the Pharisees. He says, everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. Um, for us, we could say, if we wrote this out today, we could say they do everything to be seen by others. For, their, for they make their Instagram posts wide and their Snapchat streaks long. They love to be retweeted and shared on Instagram stories and to have hundreds of likes. We need to ask ourselves when we engage with our technology, when we engage with social media, who am I posting this for? What is my heart's motive behind all of this? If I'm more interested in getting likes and more interested for my own selfish ambition, then maybe I shouldn't be posting it. Just because we can doesn't mean that we should. This is one of the reasons I deleted TikTok. I couldn't allow myself to be subjected to something that was not only stealing my time, but enticing me and luring me to make an exhibition of my life where I would hope to get some kind of social following and to validate uh, relevance. Adam Atler, who is a professor of marketing at NYU's School of Business, he says, we are social beings who can't ever completely ignore what other people think of us. He's done a lot of extensive research on um, uh, addiction and technology and has found that social media users are a lot like gamblers. That anytime something is posted, there's the gamble of will there be likes, will there be retweets or shares, or will there be no feedback? Now, if you live by the, the like and the Instagram story, you also die by the like and the Instagram story. And that life is an exhausting one to live, okay? However, it is freeing when you can be like Paul and say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You have your identity and you have your freedom in Christ. You don't need to be validated by uh, 2,000 likes or 2,000 shares. You've got Christ. So now that we've hit on a few points, and there are a lot more that we could probably talk about tonight on technology, I want to talk about two spiritual disciplines that can help us keep technology in check in our lives. 
Now, right now, most of us are conditioned and disciplined by our technology use, and it's become so rote and familiar with us. And so to disengage and open ourselves up to the reality of who we are as God's children will be a bit of a struggle at first, um, but will yield necessary and lasting fruit. So the first discipline we want to talk about tonight is the discipline of solitude. Now, before we can talk about how to implement solitude in our lives, um, we need to have an, a bit of a definition of what solitude is. Now, solitude, uh, contrary to this picture, doesn't necessarily mean isolation. It is more about what is happening inside of your mind. Solitude is more about being in a subjective state in which your mind is free from input from other minds. Now, solitude can be found in Starbucks on Franklin or on the U-Bus or even in the bottom of Lenore. Um, but solitude cannot be found in the quietest of settings if you are allowing input from other um, minds to enter your own. So if you were to go out and read a book or listen to a podcast and sit in a park by yourself, uh, that would not necessarily, by definition, be solitude. You might be spending good quality time with yourself, and that's, that's fine, but that's, that's not what we're saying when we're talking about solitude tonight. Um, Cal Newport author of Digital Minimalism, he says, solitude requires you to move past reacting to information created by other people and focus instead on your own thoughts and experiences wherever you happen to be. When we enter into solitude, uh, we're able to process our thoughts without distraction. We're able to remove obstacles that are keeping us from hearing God and we become more aware of both the world and the people around us. Personally, one of the ways that I practice solitude each day is uh, I don't use my phone when I'm waiting for the bus. Um, I'm able to start my day and end my day um, in those moments where I'm just standing or sitting waiting for the bus to come by and I'm able to process my thoughts. I'm able, in the mornings, I'm able to pray about my day ahead as I wait for the bus and um, in the afternoons, evenings, when I'm waiting for the bus to go home, I'm able to thank God for the day, or I'm able to um, recap what my day was like as I'm, as I'm thinking about those things. Now again, it, it is hard to step away from our phones and, te and technologies for an extended amount of time when we have conditioned ourselves over the course, not necessarily of days or weeks or months, but years. Uh, we've conditioned ourselves over the course of years to always be connected. Um, you know, I don't, I don't even know how many people turn your, your phones off just for the sake of turning them off. Now, typically, we, we turn our phones off when uh, something's not working or we need to power cycle it. But other than that, I don't know if we turn our phones off just to leave them off. And so when we don't necessarily step away and have time to ourselves to practice things like solitude, we make ourselves very vulnerable to anxiety. We are not made to be people who are constantly wired in. And people should not necessarily have access to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that spot is only reserved for the Lord. Jesus knew the gift of solitude as he entered into it frequently, spending time alone to be with the Father. There's a few verses up here. Yeah, so very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Mark 1, 35. 
And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. That's Matthew 14, 23. And at daybreak, Jesus went up to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. That's Luke 4, 4 42. And finally, Luke 5, 16. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Don't you think that if uh, solitude is, is something that's worth seeking out, if Jesus practiced this pretty regularly... Uh, like this happened on on more than one occasion, so it's it's pretty it's a pretty big deal. Henry Nowen, who has written a number of books about our spiritual lives, he says he says this. He says, um, a life without a lonely place, that is, a life without a quiet center, easily becomes destructive. When we cling to the results of our actions as our only way of self-identification, then we become possessive and defensive, and tend to look at our fellow human beings more as enemies to be kept at a distance than as friends with whom we share the gifts of life. Can anybody relate to that? Now he goes on to say in solitude that we discover that being is more important than having and that we are worth more than the result of our efforts. Our life is not a possession to be defended, but a gift to be shared. In solitude, we become more aware that our worth is not the same as our usefulness. That's solitude. Number two, silence. Um, I want to talk about silence. Now, now solitude and silence, they kind of go hand in hand a little bit, so talking about silence may sound a little bit familiar uh, to solitude. Now, when we think of, of silence, we usually think of it in, like, sobering terms or in unsettling terms. And so, you know, we say we're going to have a moment of silence tonight uh, as maybe a way of uh, grieving something or, you know, there's, there's an awkward silence. Hi, I, I, I just want to let you know that I really care about you and I think I love you. Awkward silence. <laughs> Having silence in our lives uh, unsettles us. And, you know, why have silence and, when we can have Spotify, Netflix, and YouTube going all at the same time if we want? Um, we feel silence with our earbuds and whatever music we're listening to or a podcast. We fill our evenings of silence with our favorite TV shows. We do anything and everything not to have to face silence. Now all these mediums from our technology fill our lives with words and because we are so inundated with words we can't tell which words are uh, more important from the ones that we should dismiss. And when there's no filter uh, for our interaction with these words, we look for shortcuts, okay? You guys are students, you know these things. Um, There's always new information showing up in our inbox, in our Instagram feed, or our suggested YouTube videos. Um, And to keep up with all of it, we skim, you know? We look for the bold points, we look for um, the brief summaries, We, we find spark notes online. We want people to be brief and get to the point, and when they don't, we tune them out and go to our own flood of words inside of us. And of course, if we are doing this all the time, this can carry over into our relationship with God. We want God to give us a fun, catchy phrase. Uh, we, We settle on an app to give us an encouraging verse to start our day. We want a memorable sermon 
But when we're processing so many things already inside of us that we forget the scripture, we forget the sermon by the time we get back to our rooms. And sometimes God uses silence to help us hear him. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah is meeting with the Lord. And um, he goes... He goes to the mountain of Horeb, and the Lord is uh, trying to get his attention. And it says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? You know what Elijah heard when God revealed himself to to Elijah? That's what he heard. Silence. In the age of instant answers provided for us by our technology, it is really hard to wait on God for an answer to the deeper questions and the big needs that we have. Sometimes there is a period of silence between our asking and God's responding. How easy is it to sit in silence and wait upon God? It's not because we are people who have been conditioned by our productivity and we are all about our words, our many, many, many words. Silence allows God's Spirit to work on the innermost parts of us and brings things to the surface that have been sitting so deep in our souls, things that we would rather not deal with or talk about because it's too much. And so that's why we go through our Instagram, and that's why we, con- we are constantly snapping, and that's why we have our earbuds in. If we can't see or hear our problems, if we can't have our feelings of loneliness or anger or anxiety, then they must not really be there, or so we believe. As we wrap up tonight, I have a jar here. It's filled with dirt. When we subject ourselves to endless technology, we are like this jar that is constantly being shaken repeatedly. Stop for a moment, rest a little bit, go back to technology. But if we allow the discipline of solitude and silence to help us in being formed by God, we can keep technology in its proper place and eventually begin seeing more clearly. We can allow God to be the one true God and not let our hearts be conditioned by the latest technology. Now this jar, eventually, it won't, it won't happen right away, but eventually all the sediment 
will settle to the bottom and we'll be able to see through the jar again. And that's what solitude and silence will do for you in your um, managing technology. So, um, do we have some questions that we want to get to here? So, first of all, apparently the Google voice number is not working. So, um, yeah, if you do have a question, we're just going to do it old-fashioned. Raise your hand, and we're calling you. Uh, we're all family here. Uh, this question came in, and the question is, how can we effectively use technology to encourage a healthy atmosphere, especially with non-Christian friends? Uh, I think I would say that I'm I'm not necessarily again not, not anti tech or not anti social media. I think we just have to know the parameters in which we're using them. Uh, we have to check our the motives of our our, our heart when we're posting things online. Um, using technology to encourage a healthy uh, relationship with non-Christian friends. It can just be something as simple as. Uh, texting a friend saying, hey, I've, I've been thinking about you. Um, what, how's, how's life? How are you doing in that class? Or uh, texting and saying, hey, um, I haven't seen you around lately. What, what's, what's up? Uh, I've, I've, missed, I've missed your company. We should get lunch sometime. You know, I, I, think, I think it could be something as, uh, something as simple as, as that. So that would be what I would say. Maybe you guys have uh, different thoughts or, or responses uh, to that. Um, does anybody have a question that they would would be so bold to ask in front of everybody? If not, that's also okay, but I don't want to... Yep. Okay. yep. Yeah. Um, can you explain more about like the difference you were talking about with like solitude and just like being alone and isolated? Like, what's the difference between Yeah, so solitude is more about um, being able to, to have your own thoughts uh, being processed, uh, listening in for what God m might say. Um, you know, as, as a Christian, I think you could probably, like, take along your Bible, of course, or, or your journal. Um, technically, that would not be classified as solitude because you're allowing input from another source to enter into your own thoughts and your own, own mind about things. Um, so solitude is more about... Uh, processing, uh, not necessarily being plugged into something, not using your phone to um, be to have that um, speak into your life through whatever. Like, there's been plenty of times where I've like wanted to be alone with Jesus, and different things have come up in my mind of like, oh, did I uh, set? Did I pull uh, milk down to feed Micah later, or uh, did I did I do this, or? Um, Lord, thank you for this day as I'm praying. Uh, by the way, what's, what's, what's the weather going to be like today? I should pull out my phone and check. And like those, those types of things, I think, uh, can hinder solitude. Silence is um, more so on just, you know, being in a quiet setting, uh, free from noise, free from distraction. You know, when we do homework, sometimes we have our headphones in listening to music as, as we do. And you know that's okay. Um, you know, each of us has has to has to determine um, what our use of technology is, and if it has become a master over us, or if we are if we are still master over it. 
I don't know if that answers your question or not, but 